I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad that you guys decided to get up and come to church on Sunday morning, and that I'm not here by myself. Uh, that is a that, that that's like a nightmare. I'd show up and never be nobody here. But I'm glad you're here, and uh, we welcome the Lord in this place because otherwise it's just a community gathering. And so uh, we come here to worship God, and I hope that you are as well. Uh, if you're some of our guests, we're especially uh, excited to have you here and would love for you to fill out some information. In the, in, there's a little card in your bulletin, or it's a tear-out of your bulletin, to be more precise. And so we'd love for you to fill that out and, and, and tear that portion off and uh, place it in the offering uh, a little bit later, or you can hand it to a minister at the door at the end of the service. But we'd love to know how to minister to you and, and uh, be able to contact you. But right now, I want to take this time to greet each other, so find somebody and let them know that you're excited that they're in the house of God this morning. to go with Beth and Dennis to, um, to camp, and we were able to serve our children as being camp chaperones um, at Center Kid. And today, the kids just wanted to sing the theme song for you. It's just a way to um, show how much they appreciate um, your help, your investment in them, not only financially, but spiritually. Um, by letting them know and helping them to go, we are all completing our promise that we gave when they were dedicated as babies or, or joined our church through baptism, that we would support them in, our, in their walk through the, you know, the spiritual walk that they have. So at this time, I'm going to turn it over to them. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do.
guys, thank you for sharing with us. Is it too early for people to sign up to go to volunteer and chaperone next year? Maybe we could do that this morning, so it's not too early, it sounds like. If you please stand again.
Let's go. 
Thank you. If you will please remain standing. 13, as we continue to work through this fantastic book talking about the early church, Acts chapter 13, I'll be reading verses 1 through 3. In the church that was at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you teach us this morning and all the instruction that comes from, from your word. Father, give me a word to say. Give us open ears and open hearts to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as we have been in the book of Acts now since since Easter, really, we we took we we moved on into the book of Acts just a couple weeks after Easter, and we've uh, considered what the early church was doing as Jesus left, as he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit came down ten days later on the day of Pentecost, and the uh, church began to grow and it really began to blossom there in in Jerusalem and we see the fulfillment of Acts 1 8 as Jesus says you will be witnesses for me you know after the Holy Spirit comes upon you you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea Samaria to the ends of the earth and we've seen that we've seen the witnesses in Jerusalem we've seen witnesses in Judea and Samaria and we've begun to see now as they as the apostles and the and and, and not just the apostles but but church members themselves have taken the gospel to, to other parts of the earth, and, and we've got this great church now in Antioch. This great uh, church has been established here in Antioch as Peter and, and uh, Paul have taught, excuse me, Barnabas and, and Paul have taught in, in the church, and, and Peter has taken part in, in a lot of this as, as well. And so we're really beginning to see Acts 1-8 come to fulfillment, but what will takes place now in the book of Acts is there's, there's a little bit of a transition so for a long time, we've been talking about the apostles. And up to chapter 13, we've talked an awful lot about Peter and John. And, and we've, we've talked about this, this man named Saul or, or Paul. And we've talked a little bit about Barnabas. But what we see now is really moving from those original apostles and the church in Jerusalem. to The rest of the, rest of the book is really dedicated to the church going out on mission, going away from their home base, being sent out from Jerusalem, being sent out from Antioch, and really taking the mission to all of the, the, the known world at that time across the Mediterranean. And so what we see beginning here is that now instead of Peter and the other apostles, we, we get a focus on Paul and a lot, of his, uh, a, a lot of his companions as they begin to spread this message, this gospel message. But what I want us to, to look at here, these first three verses, before we get to that first what is considered a missionary journey, these first three verses here, there's an underlying theme that's, that's running here that, that I've read it many times and, and, I, and I missed it. But there's an underlying theme here that, that deals with an early church heresy, something that the early church had to fight against really for a couple of hundred years in the, in the early church, and that is Gnosticism. Gnosticism, it's one of those words like gnat. It begins with a G. 
or gnashing of teeth. But anyway, Gnosticism. What is Gnosticism? Like I said, it's a heresy, but it, it comes from a Greek word. The root is gnosis, which means knowledge. And believers or followers of Gnosticism, they really considered matter to be evil. Or, or things you could touch, things in the physical world as, as evil. And so the highest ascent, or to, to reach salvation, you would pull away from everything that was physical, and you would ascent to, to knowledge. And so the more knowledgeable you were, the, 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 the more spiritual you were, the greater sense of, of salvation you could obtain. And so they, they separated that. And so some of those results would be that Gnostics rejected rejected the humanity of Jesus. That's a very foundational teaching. If Jesus was not human, then he wasn't really born in Bethlehem. He wasn't really crucified and died a death if he wasn't human. Jesus was fully human. He was also fully God. It's a, it's a mystery that we can't really fully understand. We just accept it. He's fully God and fully man. Jesus... Uh, did come in, in human form. And so a Gnostic would have to reject that because to, for God to be in human form would taint God in some way, would make him less of a God because he's now as a part of the material world. And what this, this, this line of thought really leads us into two divergent uh, lifestyles. And so if you, are, if you are a Gnostic, you might lean one way or the other. And one of, those, one of those lifestyles is to reject all pleasure. It's to really live a, virtual, uh, a life of virtual asceticism. In other words, anything that's pleasurable you reject because if it's pleasurable to the, to the body, that can be anything from grandma's good pound cake to, you know, whatever. Anything that's pleasurable to the body you, you reject because that would, that, would be, that would be feeding or even worshiping something that's, that's, that's material. And so that's, that's one way of, of looking at this lifestyle, that you, that you reject all that because you want to assent to knowledge, and that's what is good. The other is to say, you know what? I am a physical being. I live in a physical world, and so I might as well, I might as well just embrace it as it is. And there's unrestrained indulgence. That's the other end of, of Gnosticism. And so you, you really get this, these two separate lifestyles that are completely opposite extremes. But here, what we have in this, these first three verses here is really, you, you see a blending of the spiritual world and the physical world. We, we have two physical actions that are given to us here that will enhance our spiritual walk. Two physical actions that will enhance our spiritual walk. First of all, what we, what we see here in, in the spiritual sense is they are praying, they are worshiping and they're sending out missionaries certainly those are spiritual spiritual ideals that we that we worship that we pray that we send out missionaries but also what you see you see the church fasting and you see the church laying on of hands physical actions that enhance their spiritual walk and so today I want to look at those those fear those, those uh, physical components what they meant for the early church, what they could mean for us, maybe, just maybe, it would enhance our own spiritual walk. And so, I want to just talk a little bit about fasting. And so I may not 
preach a whole lot this morning and maybe more of teaching, but on a, I want us to look at what it means to fast. And I know that's not very Baptist of me to talk about fasting. You need to insert an E in there for feasting. Now that would be Baptist, right? But, but fasting. Now, I will say, the Lord has instituted fasts and instituted feasts, and we would do good to take part in both of them. But, but, but before we get really jumped in uh, fasting, you know, like I said, maybe not be very Baptist of me, but did you know fasting, at least uh, according to, to one count, fasting is mentioned 77 times in the Bible. Baptism is mentioned 75 times. So I think it's appropriate in a Baptist church to talk about fasting. And usually... Almost without fail. There is, an, there is an instance in the New Testament, Paul talks about a particular fast, but at other times when we talk about fasting, it's talking about abstaining from food. I know that sometimes we'll say things like, well, for Lent I'm going to give up beef liver. Now that's not a big deal for me. I gave up beef liver a long time ago. Um, but no, fasting, it, it, it's, it's not just it's not just giving up something that's that might be an inconvenience. You you could do that. You could you could fast from the TV or from social media, or you could fast from caffeine and that kind of thing. But really, what we're talking about today is is fasting from food, and uh, and and I'll explain a little bit about that in, in just a minute and why that's significant for us. But Donald Whitney, who wrote. Uh, spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. Donald Whitney says this about fasting. He, he says that one reason fasting is feared is that many believe it turns us into something we don't want to become and causes things to happen we don't want to happen. In other words, we'd like to become more like Christ, but if, uh, if it's that I have to go through the period of fasting to become more like Christ, is that, is that really what I want to do? Or I'd love to see this prayer answered. I'd love to get a. I'd love to see this take place. But if I have to go through fasting in order to see this prayer answered, is that really is that really the way I want to to go about it? I, I'm not really sure who I would become if I began to participate in this spiritual discipline of fasting. Because I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of somebody that's, that 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 regularly practices fasting. Do you do you think of somebody that looks like John the Baptist? Maybe has camel hair shirts and, and eats locusts. I, I, that, you don't have to be like that, but may, maybe do you, do you think of Jesus? When you think of somebody that fasts, does the picture of Jesus come to your mind? But anyway, we want to talk about fasting. And so I thought, okay, well, if we're going to fast, if we're going to talk about fasting, fast from what? So what are these things that we're going to fast from? And again, I, I use this book because it's just it's happened to be on my shelf, and I've read it a long time ago, and I, I think it's pretty helpful for us. But uh, Donald Whitney identifies four different fasts and, and what from what. So first of all would be a normal fast. What is a normal fast? Because that's a good one. That, that's probably if we've we not fasted before, let's just start with a normal one. Let's don't go too far, okay? So a normal fast would be to abstain from food, but not necessarily from water. This is what appears to be, this is this at least what it appears to be what Jesus did as he went to as, as, as he went out to the desert and was tempted by 
Satan. Uh, he, he fasted for 40 days from food. The reason I say that is because in, in, in Matthew 4.2 and in Luke 4.2, you see that it says that after the 40 days, he was hungry. It doesn't say that he was thirsty, but it says he was hungry. And so that would indicate that maybe he had abstained from food, but not from water. That would be a what I would consider a normal fast. But there's there are others. There's a partial fast. Well, what do I, what do I mean by this? Is it's a, it's a limitation in your diet. Think about Daniel. Think about Daniel and the guys that were with him. They said, you know what? We're not going to eat the good from the from the king. We're just going to stick to some some vegetables, and we're just going to drink water. That's a partial fast. And there is, there's reason for those as well. Now, there's an absolute fast. This one, all right, now we're starting to, now we're starting to gear it up a little bit. This is a, an absolute fast like, like Ezra. Uh, Ezra 10, 6, as he talks about there was no food and no liquid at all. Now, this was only for about three days, and most people, you know, people tell us you can't live without water for more than about three days. And so this is really... You, you don't see a fast lasting a very long time when it's an absolute fast. And I would say, you know, you need clear direction from the Lord for, for this. But then, but then, if we really take apart the Bible and we look, there's also a couple of instances of what has to be, what has to be supernatural. Moses, for 40 days in the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses is on the mountain for 40 days, Deuteronomy chapter 9, it says to neither food nor drink. That can only be, that can only be something that is supernatural from the Lord. And I would say that you need clear direction on that, that you feel like the Lord is calling you to a supernatural fast. And so those things can, can happen, normal, partial, absolute, and supernatural. So that's what we fast from, but what about the next question? Maybe it's not in your mind but let me plan it there. Fast with whom? So see, now that question's in your mind. So who do we fast with? Well, first of all, there's private fast. That's the most common is a private fast. That's, uh, that's pretty self-explanatory. That's on an individual basis. That's what, that's what uh, Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6. He talks about the bridegroom, and people said, why aren't your people fasting? He says, well, they don't fast while the bridegroom is here, but once the bridegroom is no longer here, There'll be times of fasting. And it seems to be a, a, a private, an individual situation. In the book of Joel, the book of Joel, he calls for a congregational fast. So it could be that the whole congregation partakes in a fast. And, and uh, so as, as Joel calls out this, uh, for, for his group of people and that are there within, you know, within uh, earshot of, of him. But also, there are national fasts. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat calls for a national fast. By the way, in the history of our own country, in the very beginnings of our country, our Congress called for national fast at least three times, and we've had presidents, former presidents who have called for uh, fast, President Adams, President Madison, and President Lincoln did three times during the Civil War, call for national fasts. And so... These, these, these are different types of fasts that can take place. Who do, we, who do we fast with? Most of the time, private, but there are other situations as well. And then, how often? How often should we fast? Well, there are, in, according to Scripture, there are regular fasts. The Jews would fast every, every year on the Day of Atonement. 
Leviticus chapter 16 speaks about this. But most often it's, it's an occasional fast. Well, what brings about that occasion? You see that in Matthew chapter 9. What brings about that occasion? We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But fasting, well, why don't we talk about it so much? Why, don't we, why does it happen so much? Part of the reason that we may not talk about fast so much is that Jesus instructs us not to go around and let everybody know, hey, I'm fasting today. I'm, I'm a pretty spiritual guy because I'm fasting today. Uh, no, no, thanks. I don't need anything to eat. I'm, I'm fasting. You know, we're not to announce these individual and these private fasts, just like we're not supposed to just walk around talking about how much we tithe or, or that we tithe or whatever. It's a, it's a personal, spiritual matter. But clearly there are opportunities for congregational and, and, and otherwise uh, fast as groups come together. But if my suspicions are correct, one of the reasons we don't mention fasting is, hang on, I think we just don't practice it very often. If I'm honest, I really don't think we practice it very often, this idea of fasting. But I want you, if you will, to turn to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to show you something that, uh, that I, I find at least intriguing. According to Matthew chapter 6, this is, <laughs> excuse me, this is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Look at verse, look at verse 2. Look at verse 2, chapter 6. It says, so... Whenever you give to the poor. Now that just sounds like we ought to be people who give. It's just assumed. Hey, whenever you give, so whenever you're generous, it's not that he's teaching you that you should be generous, it's just like assumed. Whenever you give, and then he goes on to describe what he's talking about. Verse 5 and 6, he says, Whenever you pray, verse 5, and in verse 6, but, but when you pray, and so there's some instructions on prayer, but he doesn't say you need to be praying. He just assumes that the natural course of life, the natural course of someone who's following the Lord would be someone who gives. Something that's natural for someone who follows the Lord is someone who prays on a regular basis. Now, look over at verse 16. The same type of language here, but it says, whenever you fast. If prayer and giving ought to be a natural part of our life as believers, then it seems that fasting would be a natural part of our life as well. Because he just says, whenever you fast, and there's some teaching on fasting. It's just assumed that that would be part of our life. But so often we treat verse 16 a little differently for some reason. At any rate, I believe that fasting is, is or should be a normal part of a believer's life, just like giving, just like prayer. If you believe in the Lord, pray to him. If you, if you really are thankful for all the Lord's done for you, then, then give, be generous. We ought to say, if you want to grow in your spiritual walk, part of that should include fasting. But listen, fasting, it must be done with a purpose. It must be done with a purpose. Otherwise, it's just a miserable way to sloth through a day or a few days 
and with minimal minimal results in weight loss. Uh, so it, it, that's not that's not the purpose. I guess I guess you could you could fast and try to lose weight, but that's nothing to do with your spiritual walk. Fasting. It's just kind of a miserable day if it doesn't have a purpose. So what are the purposes of fasting? Why would we fast? Well, again, Donald Whitney uh, helps us, uh, and he identifies 10 different purposes for fasting. You can find these in Scripture. One is to strengthen our prayer life. Strengthen our prayer life to, to seek God's guidance. Now, I, I will say, just standing here in front of you, there have been times in my life when I've fasted. Uh, I know it doesn't look like that, but again, it wasn't for weight loss. But I have fasted, and, and I have been seeking God's guidance on something. And so you say, well, how do you know when the fast is over? It's when I have a clear idea of what the Lord's leading me to. And then, you know what I do? Man, I want a pepperoni pizza most of the time. I, that's, that's what I want. I, I've talked with, I talked with David about this, and we had the same idea. Pepperoni pizza, that's a good, a good way to end the fast. But it's just those, those two are the, the areas when, when I have fasted that have been looking to something in my prayer life or really seeking God's guidance on something. It's like, God, I just don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. I've been opening up your word. I've been praying. And so just fast. And I'll tell you what begins to happen. Breakfast, all right, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm not, it's not too bad because I've, I've missed breakfast. That's okay. But about middle of the morning, there's a little, little grumble in my tummy. And now I think, man, I'm hungry. Can't wait for lunch. And get a little, another little hunger pain. I'm like, that's because I didn't have breakfast. That's because I'm supposed to be praying. So, yeah, lunch is on the, no, lunch is not on the way. I need to stop and pray about this, and it's a reminder, it's a physical reminder that I'm supposed to be seeking the Lord. And so I stop and I, and I pray, and then maybe the time that I would normally use to eat lunch, I spend in prayer, and there's that, that hunger is still there. At some point, it kind of subsides a little bit, but it comes back, and evening rolls around, and all day long, I've, been, I've just been hungry. Physically, I've been hungry. But spiritually, I've been hungry because I'm seeking the Lord's guidance in something. And there's something significant about abstaining from food. I've, I've never done this absolute fast where I've dropped off all liquids and everything, either just me personally. Uh, but just in my own life, these are some of the things that I've done. And, and I seek the Lord's guidance in that. And it's been very helpful. But... Let's move on. There are other ways, there are other purposes of fasting, maybe to ex express grief. We see that in Scripture. To seek deliverance or protection uh, for, for yourself or for friends or family. To express repentance and return to God. Father, I have fallen so far away from you and walked so far from you. I want to show you that I truly am repenting. And I'm going to spend this time and, and I'm going I'm to fast. I'm going to abstain from food because, Lord, I, I love you so much, and I need you, and I repent from my sinful ways, return to you. Or perhaps to humble oneself before God. Or, number seven, to express concern for the work of God. I think this is what we see here in chapter 13. The church is fasting, and they lay on their hands as they send out missionaries. 
to minister to the needs of others, to overcome temptation and dedicate yourself to God. Father, there's a sin that's a part of my life that is so strong, it has a stronghold in my life, and I need to have that removed. I need to overcome this temptation. And so to show you that I'm serious about this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast. You're not gaining any merit. You're not gaining salvation. This is not a way to, you know, to, to receive a greater deal of grace or anything, but it's a, it's a posture of, of humble submission to the power of God in your life. And finally, to express love and, and to worship God. See, fasting must be spiritually motivated and God-centered so that the thoughts of food return us to the thoughts of God and prayer. My question to you, church, you don't have to answer this, but when's the last time that you fasted? Maybe you've been praying for a long time for something. You've been searching scripture and you see some answers there. You're going to worship like you're supposed to and you're reading your Sunday school lesson and you, but for whatever reason, it just feels like those prayers are falling on deaf ears. I just wonder, I just wonder, have you, have you fasted? And it's not it's a magic formula. It's not that you say, I'm going to fast and God's going to answer. No, God's still sovereign. He still moves in his own time. But we can't deny that there's something significant that takes place in our spiritual life whenever we fast. But the next, the next avenue that we see here, the next physical example to enhance our spiritual walk is the laying on of hands. And so I want you just for a moment to Everybody in the room, just, just stop and, and look at your hands for just a moment. Look at your palms, look at your, your fingers, look at the backs of your hands. I want you to think about this. Maybe, maybe now you close your eyes, you don't have to. Think about this. If there were somebody to, were, were to write a story or do a documentary just on your hands, we would all pretty much start out the same in little infant fists, maybe grasping mom or dad's finger, or as you grow older, you're, you're holding a pencil with your hands, you're throwing a ball. Now, many of you have done some great and wonderful things. You have skillful hands. You've applied a bandage or mended, or mended some scrapes or boo-boos with your hands. Many of you have typed or written some very thoughtful words. Maybe your hands have turned a wrench or swung a hammer. Maybe with your hands you've held the hand of another or caressed the face of someone you love. But if we're honest, many of us have done some things that are not so good with our hands. We've stolen or cheated We've hurt others. We've inflicted uncalled-for pain. You see, there are, there's a lot of power in your hands. There's a lot of power in your hands, and like the tongue, it can be used for blessing or cursing. Your hands, well, your hands can hurt or, or heal. Your hands can make things or they can maul things. They can build up or break down. They can support or suppress. They can bless or they can belittle or beleaguer Jesus you know Jesus was asked often about his hands usually it was phrased in such a way as this Lord would you come and pray and put your hands on my, my sick child or would you bring your hand and perform healing Oftentimes, children would come and sit in Jesus lap and it, the Bible tells us that he took them in his arms and blessed them laying his hands them. There's power in our hands. Wayne Grudem, who wrote uh, a number of books, but in Systematic Theology, he talks about the laying on of hands, and he says this, if people in the early church were frequently praying for one another's needs, and if they imitated the example of Jesus and his disciples in the laying on of hands to pray for people for healing, 
for bringing blessing, for receiving the Holy Spirit at the time of conversion, for receiving spiritual gifts, or for empowering for ministry, then we would expect that that instruction given to new Christians would have included the teaching that prayer for individual needs would ordinarily be accompanied by the placing of a hand or hands upon the person who was being prayed for. It looks like the early church often used their hands in prayer and would lay hands upon people in a number of different ways. When do we usually do this? Well, we think about it, we, we lay hands upon men as they're ordained into the ministry or ordained as deacons. Uh, whenever we pray for the sick, oftentimes, if I go to the hospital, if I visit someone at the hospital, I want to hold your hand and pray with you or maybe place my hand on your shoulder and pray with you. Last week, we prayed for our students and faculty and staffs of our schools. We placed hands upon them as we prayed, as we prayed over them. And today, today we're going to lay hands on another group of folks, another group of people, and pray for them. You see, very soon in our church, we're going to send out some missionaries. And we can always send more. We have some folks who are going to be missionaries. They're going to be leaving the church walls here pretty soon. They have a chance to share the gospel. And listen, this is pretty intriguing to me. They have a chance to share the gospel. They don't even have to find unfamiliar sleeping accommodations. Their drinking water will be clean. They'll have hot showers. They'll have access to Wi-Fi. There's no language barrier. They don't need a passport or a visa. They don't even need special immunization requirements. And here, listen to this. The church covers their expenses. We're going to send out now, that sounds like a mission trip I could be a part of. Now, I, now, I will say, there are some negatives here. Hold on. It might cost two hours a week, and you might have to use an outhouse or a porta john I'm talking about our upward folks. I see them as missionaries. I see them as missionaries. And so I just want to take the opportunity right now if our upper commissioners are anywhere in here, if you would please stand. Uh, any, any of our coaches that are here, if you would please stand. Referees, parking attendants, concession stand workers, our announcers, those that stripe the fields, and anybody else that I missed. None of y'all are in here. I ask you to please stand. So please stand up as we see. These are, these are missionaries, folks. These are missionaries because they're going to be sharing the gospel every week. With, with, with people who we don't really know their spiritual situ their, their spiritual condition or whether they're in a church somewhere or, or not. Um, and so right now, right now, I want you, as a church, we're going to practice this. Listen, we're going to practice this two weeks in a row, laying on of hands. I promise we're not washing feet next week, okay? So if you would, please stand right now and place your hand upon one of these, one of these missionaries. And we're going to pray over them because I believe that... Uh, through, through the sport of, of soccer, we can have an impact right here in our own community. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you so much for the vision that was given several years ago to begin a sports program. <laughs> what looks like a sports program, it's really a missions program. At least that's the way that I see it. There are athletic fields, but Lord, these are mission fields. We, we have children, we have parents, we have grandparents who come to our church, who come to our property each week. And they have the opportunity to hear the gospel. We have heard and we have seen uh, people who have come to, to, to know Christ for the very first time. We've seen salvations through this. 
We've seen people come to, come to be a part of our church through this organization. And God, right now, I just want to thank you for these men and women, these, these teenagers who have decided that they're going to dedicate a portion of the next few months to seeing your name be lifted up. And Father, I know that sometimes it can be tiring and sometimes it can be frustrating and sometimes it's not everything that we want it to be. But Father, when we keep in our mind that we're on the mission field and that there is far greater eternal value than whatever is here temporarily, Lord, I just want you to be lifted up. Give them strength, give them grace, give them everything that they need to accomplish your task. Father, we're sending them out as missionaries. Thank you for everyone here who's praying for them. Bless them, strengthen them, and give them, give them uh, courage and encouragement. And may we go forward in your name. It's in Jesus' powerful, transforming name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today I talked a little bit about fasting. Today we've talked about what it means to lay our hands upon someone. Is there anything magical in, 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 in your hands? No. But listen, there is something significant. Even in your prayer life, to get on your knees in prayer, to lay down in prayer, to come up here to the altar in prayer, to move. Because we live in a spiritual world and we live in a physical world. And we don't separate them as the Gnostics did. God works in both. And so when we fast, it enhances our spiritual walk. When we pray with, 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 with people and we just place our hands on them, there's something significant about that. I will never forget my ordination and the men who came and placed their hands on my shoulder. I'll never forget the pastor who placed his hands over my head as he prayed over me. And just, I felt the Spirit moving that night. There's something significant. And so today, I just have a call to action. A call to action. I just want to ask you if you would do, if you would do this, maybe one day this week, fast. I'm not telling you you have to, and I certainly want it to be for a purpose. I certainly want it to be something that the, that the Lord is leading you to. But if there's, if there's something that, that you're seeking an answer to, there's a prayer that you've been praying for a while, Try fasting and just see, see if the Lord moves in that way. Pray for our missionaries, the ones we just prayed for here. Pray for them. But also pray, pray for harvesters. What do I mean by that? When you look out there on a Saturday morning, I, I feel like if Jesus looked out here on a Saturday morning, he'd say the fields are white unto harvest. Pray for workers to go into the harvest. Pray for them. Pray for our church. Now, say, BJ, are you going to do that? Yeah, I am. I commit to fast. It's not going to be on Tuesday because that's a senior adult luncheon day. So I'm not going to pick Tuesday. But I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do either. And so I want us just to give it a shot. See if there's something to it. Right now, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come into your house this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word, how it challenges us. Lord, fasting is not an easy thing to do. But Lord, you never said that living the life of a Christ follower would be easy. But Lord, if, if we're truly serious about becoming more like Christ, well, there's things that, that we could do to imitate him. It's, we could fast from time to time. 
we could we could pray with people and, and lay hands on people as, as we commission them and, and send them out so Lord I just pray that our spiritual walks will be strengthened because of the things that we do with our body that is we remember that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit so we treat our body well Lord that's got to that's, that's got to have an impact on our spiritual walk but Father as you God as you lead this week may we respond may we respond even right now as we have folks in our, in our congregation who uh, maybe they've realized that they've never repented and, and turned to you in saving faith Father what a great day for that to take place right now today pray that they would come to realize they are sinners and in desperate need of a Savior. Lord, maybe someone wants to join our church. They can come forward. We can talk about what all that means. We began a new class this morning. They can jump right in with that, and we'd love to have them part of our church if you're calling them here. But Father, maybe it's just something else we need to commit to you. So as you speak, may we listen and respond. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to ask if you would stand, please, and Join us as we sing this last song, but spend time in prayer. Spend time with your creator. And as he leads, as he guides, you respond. of the Lord this morning to worship with this body of believers. I am. I'm excited that you're here. Just want to mention a, a couple of things. First of all, tonight it's our last summer event, our last family night summer event of this summer. And so it's our it's our talent show. NBC's Got Talent. Now listen, this is a little different than our music we began the, the summer with. There will be some music and there will be some other talents ex ex expressed tonight. I hope you'll come. You'll worship some. I hope you'll come and laugh some at appropriate times. Yeah, but come and just, just enjoy this fellowship together. I, I hope you will come and, and be a part of this. And then next week we'll begin our discipleship process, or, or classes as well as um, we've got our spiritual gifts class that we're going we're gonna to begin next week, and Awana begins. And so we'll be back, back into the swing of things with our school uh, calendar. And then uh, what's not in your bulletin is this Wednesday night, uh, we will have our meals again on Wednesday night. We'll have full pork sandwiches, coleslaw, and potato chips. Well, actually, it just said chips. It didn't say potato chips. So that may be presumptuous on my part. Uh, but uh, we have chips, coleslaw, pulled pork sandwiches. And so uh, call the church office to sign up for that. Uh, I believe that is all. And so when I ask Drew, if you will come. Oh, we have another announcement. Okay. Drew, if you will come and close us in a word of prayer. 